Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. There is most of the Protestant churches believe that faith plus zero equals salvation. Going back to the historical account, Jesus died on the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus did not preach only that he was going to die, bury, and rise again. But he said at that time that you'll know that I'm in my Father, my Father in me. He stated there in John 2.19, Destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. <clears throat> no man can raise up his own body except he be God. Jesus did that. Going, he is the Father of glory. He is uh, that spirit. Also, that Jesus is the Father stated many times and the revelation of Jesus Christ in the last book in the Word of God is for the sole purpose of revealing who He is. And that is the Father of glory, the Almighty God, the self-existent, eternal Spirit. And there's not another. There is no second person of the Godhead. There are no three persons in the Godhead. There are but one spirit and that one body and one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But notice what the faith entails. It, the faith entails progressive truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The only way we can be sanctified or set apart for God's use is through sanctification and belief of the truth. It is not where we're just born again and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It all happened at the cross, that's true. But the single act of Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection changed everything in the cosmos, everything in the world. It changed everything from the amoeba to the primates to everything in the cosmos. When the Lord died on the cross, was buried, and he rose again, the great stone that was put upon the tomb, whenever that stone rolled back and Jesus was resurrected, that was the birth of the new heaven and the new earth, the first beginnings of the creation of God. Everything changed. This is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. What brought everything down in creation? Not just the propitiation for our sins, because when Adam fell, all creation fell with him because he was a microcosm of creation. He was set over the work of God's hand. He was given dominion. And he's the king over that dominion. And by his falling, there in disobedience brought forth sin. Sin brought forth death. Upon all the creation, we see that the uh, whole world now does wax old as doth a garment. It's waxing old. 
It's not regenerating new. It's waxing old. But there will be a new heaven and a new earth already been paid for by Jesus Christ. There are seven feasts of the Lord that we must eat and partake of the Feast of Charity. Notice it didn't say the Feast of Pentecost. It's the Feast of Charity. The ones that are spots and blemishes in your Feast of Charity are the ones that come against the work of the ministry. Not realizing that there is a progression in going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And the Protestant world, for the most part, has propagated that lie. That once you're saved, that's it. There is no growth in Jesus. There's no sanctification process in order to be presented blameless at his coming, both spirit, soul, and body. That it's automatic. You just jump out of the world into that promised land. No uh, love for God, no trial of your faith, no fellowship of the sufferings of Jesus. It's just boom, you're there. And that is a gross lie. When you see in the book of the Revelation, it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the whole creation moaneth and groaneth in pain, pain to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And not only they, all creation, moaning and groaning in pain to be delivered, but not only they, but we also, that have the first fruits of the Spirit, do groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption. Well, if we already have it, then why wait? That hope that is seen is not hope. And this hope deferred maketh the heart sick, lovesick. And those are the ones that are within themselves, groaning, waiting for the adoption, to wit, which is the redemption of our bodies. Jesus has already paid for it all, but not just one feast. And that's where the area is. When Jesus died on the cross, what he bought for us was not only redemption, justification by faith, and that by grace through faith are you saved, but grace reigns through righteousness. And righteousness is that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The whole purpose of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was to bring many sons unto glory. And the, that is God's will and always has been God's will from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> in Ephesians 1, to gather all things together in one, in Christ Jesus, this is God's will. And always has been from the foundation of the world. And that is gathering all things together in one is Jesus' last prayer in John 17. He proceeded from the Father, going back to the Father, not beside him, to him. Came from God, going back to God, not around him, not at the right side. That's a place he prepared for us. 
but the ones that have a true ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Realize the work of the ministry must be obtained in the will of God and the purpose of God in order to be saved. It's progressive. It's not just the place of life. It's the way of life, which is always progressing higher and higher and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. God has provided some better thing for us. That they without us, all those that died in faith, having never received the promise, without us, shall not be made perfect. There is a generation that shall be counted for the seed that will come unto the full measure of Jesus Christ. It's called the Christ generation. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The inward man growing up to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ unto perfection. We are told in most denominal churches that that's not attainable. That no, somehow, as long as we are in a body of flesh down here, then we can't not be perfect. When the Holy Ghost was given for one reason, to lead us and guide us into all truth, not partial truth, all truth. Jesus going to Jerusalem, the disciples had walked with him three and a half years. Jesus stated to them, I have many things to tell you, disciples, but you're not able to bear it now. Not able to bear it. Why would he have to bear it if it's just a simple belief that Jesus is the Son of God? The Son of God requires revelation. The Son of God is the Father revealed. Jesus stated that many times. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. He stated again, John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he. The question was, where's your father? And Jesus stated, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sin. So revelation is required. But the ultimate revelation will come when the judgments of God are manifest in the earth. For God, all, all God's ways are perfect. All God's ways are judgment. And when judgments in the earth, men will learn righteousness. Learn it? I thought it was already imputed. I thought all we did was just confess Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's it. You either ask Jesus to come into your heart or you said a sinner's prayer. And that repentance is all there is for salvation. We're going to see that as a gross lie. And many that will believe that will not be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, not realizing uh, that they're called to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ unto perfection through the leading of the Holy Ghost, not of our own works, not of any works of our righteousness, but the righteousness of God by faith. Jesus has dealt to every man the measure of faith, whatever he's called you for, whatever the purpose that you are in the body of Christ, must be obtained by faith. 
And that's what saves us. But faith has to be added to. You have to grow in faith and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't do go in the knowledge. God said, Hosea, my people perish for lack of knowledge. How did you get the knowledge? Well, you sought God. Those that seek for God diligently with the whole heart, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of their mind through sanctification and belief of the truth. Sanctified, set apart for God's use, not just as you are in some kind of self-help mumbo-jumbo that these so-called pastors that are bringing the truth is a bona fide joke. It's ludicrous. And God is not pleased with it at all. Matter of fact, if you add to that cross or you take away from it, the work that he did, which is all-encompassing, the whole work of God, paid for in full by one offering, Jesus Christ on the cross. He took away the sin of the world. He, at that time, in every feast of the Lord, and those feasts that we see in Leviticus 23, are a shadow of things to come. And we're told there's only one. Just repent. That's it. No. There's seven feasts of the Lord. Not one. And to have that feast of charity, you must obtain that by faith. And that requires us seeking God with the whole heart. Studying to show ourselves what? Approved of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Well then... I thought we were already approved of God. The pastors in the denominal world said so. Nothing against them. That's what they've been taught. They've been taught a lie. In the Reformation, in Martin Luther, the just shall live by faith. Wonderful truth. It is a truth. But what is faith? The definition of faith has been polluted. And by that, we take a look at biblical faith. You can read Hebrews 11. And these all died in faith, having never received the promise. What? Never received it? What's that? Perfection. God having provided some better thing for us, Paul stated, that they without us should not be made perfect. In other words, the last generation, the Christ generation, to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ and to a perfect man, will perfect the whole body of Christ uh, through the obedience to the blood of Jesus Christ and that blood in the New Testament given for you. We do not know and have not obtained that true definition of faith. We use the term much like love. We love a certain color. We love our car. We love our dog. 
We love a house. We love this. We love that. And it's used flippantly. Just as, well, a side, a sign of an emotion, a carry, a like. But we're talking about God's love, a copy. We're talking about charity. God is love. But obtaining that love of God is through keeping his commandments. Somebody said, no, it's automatically attributed to us with not any obedience. Well, that's what you have been taught. And that is not faith. Faith is the substance of things not looked back on in historical account. It's now faith. Today. Now is the day of salvation. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Now denotes present truth. What is the present truth? Well, what, what time of God's appointed uh, feast of the Lord, his appointed calendar? Where are we? And most say, well, uh, you know, we're waiting for a pre-tribulation rapture. Any minute now, the Lord's coming. Not reading the word of God, not having any understanding of the feast of the Lord. There, whenever the Pentecostal church came in in Acts, the second chapter, in that feast of weeks, the feast of Pentecost, that we have blindness in parts happen to Israel. Those because the, the natural Jew, because they went about keeping the law by their own works, had a zeal, but not according to wisdom. They had a zeal for God, going about to establish their own righteousness, not the righteousness of God by faith. And that's where they failed. Well, God knew all these things, and when in the book of Acts, the first chapter, they said, Lord, he's already been seen alive after his passion for 40 days, declaring that he is the resurrection and the life, declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead, Romans 1, verse 3 and 4. Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Well, they were studying eschatology, knowing that God is going to set up Israel as a nation to be blessed on the whole world. All nations of the world will be blessed in Israel. That's the kingdom that he has promised in Genesis 12, a great nation, that all the nations of the earth would be blessed in Israel and Abraham. They thought it was time for that. Will you, Lord, at this time, restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus stated, it's not given for you to know the times and the seasons. Now there are times and seasons that are given to us in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1, Paul said, it's superfluous that I write to you that we know the times and seasons that are given to us. We are to know them, and very few do. And that 
as far the main reason that Paul said that we're children of the day and not of the night, that the day of the Lord should overtake us as a thief in the night. It's given to us to know these things and the times and the seasons. No man knows the day or the hour, but the times and the seasons we are to know. Just as Issachar, that tribe, had the understanding of the times. And when you take a look at the breastplate of judgment and what it means to us in the church age, in the dispensation of grace, the first row is Judah, Hezekiah, Zebulun, according to the tribes. That requires an engraving of an engraver. It requires a sealing. An engraving of an engraver is an engraving of a signet, a sign, Allah, Tav. S-I-G-N, sign, E-T, aloft, tav, the A to the Z in Hebrew, the aloft through the tav, which is the longest chapter in your Bible. Psalm 119. Almost dead center right in the middle of your Bible. And under each of the letters of the ABC theory, we have eight verses. The aloft. All capital letters in your Bible, meaning it is divinity and one of the attributes of God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ only, that he is the Allah. And there's eight verses. Eight is the number of new beginning. Seven is the number of perfection. One is one and only God, not three persons, but one. Two is division, as Peleg. In his days, the land were divided. But it's also two for witness. Everything established in the mouth of two witnesses. That's reason there are two witnesses in Revelation 11, which is, by the way, the church, the candlestick, the olive trees. Well, that you add to your faith. You have to add to that faith through growing up into Jesus, going from faith to faith. It's not just uh, an act. That's the first feast of the Lord, the feast of Passover. You repent, but that's not all. There's three feasts in that first season. Jesus died for all three seasons, and his blood that speaketh better things than are able speaks love, and that agape love is now that love of God that constrains us to do the will of God. It's already been paid for. The unction and the power of God unto salvation is Christ in you, and he's in you because of what he did on the cross. And we think that it is stagnant. That it's stated. That it's, it's just a place of light, not a way of light in proceeding word, but that it is... Uh, a stagnant, Jesus died, I believe it, I'm saved, which is a lie. Jesus didn't go about preaching just death, burial, and resurrection. He preached that what that would affect in all seven feasts. Jesus went about preaching and teaching the kingdom of God, which certainly is. Death, burial, and resurrection had paid for it all, but yet, 
there are seven divine appointments of God with man unto full-grown glory of Jesus manifest in the body of Christ. Nothing short of that's going in because Jesus is not coming back for a church that has any spot or blemish, but one that has made herself ready in the perfect image of Jesus Christ under perfection. And he gave us a fivefold to get us there. But we've, we've cut off the fivefold ministry with the nominal local churches. We have apostles, some of them self-proclaimed, but found them some to be liars. We see that in Ephesus. Claim to be apostles that are not. Well, they're true apostles. And it's, it, they set first in the church apostles. They're still there. Secondarily, prophets. They're still there. Thirdly, teachers. They're still there. Workers of miracles. Government itself. Still there. But it is a functioning body that is in a dynamic mode through the Holy Ghost. Grace is not just stagnant. Grace is flowing. Grace is the effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon our heart in present truth. The proceeding word of God. In what feast and divine appointment of God that he is and has for us that we must know to be in a present truth. That's faith. Now faith. It's just not just faith is. Now faith is. Because faith has to be now. Not tomorrow, not yesterday, but now. And it's progressive. Now faith is the substance of things that you did back there. No, the substance of things hoped for. And hope that is seen, what, is it, what doth he yet hope for? Well, we have an anchor to the soul. The blessed hope of the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all those that love his appearing. That's still future. Lord hadn't come yet. The ones that love is appearing will be given a crown of life. Paul said, not only me, but all those that love is appearing. Well, that definitely is ahead. The greatest move of God is ahead, not behind us. There's some that think, well, evil men and seducers, waxing worse and worse. So just hold on and just Hopefully you can hold on to that faith until the Lord comes. Not realizing the power of God unto salvation gives you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, even in the time of great tribulation called Jacob's trouble. That is still ahead. Well, somebody say, well, Jesus is going to come and get us out of here before then. Wrong again. Revelation 4.1 is not the rapture. It's showing us things uh, which must shortly come. Hereafter, not before. Things that still are ahead of us. And those are the things of faith. Jesus told his disciples it was progressive. He said, I have many things to tell you, disciples. You're not, you're not able to bear it now. But when the Comforter has come, the Holy Ghost, 
He will speak of me. That's an office of the Spirit of God, the Son of God, because the Son of God is redemptive office of that one Spirit. It shows us the way, the truth, and the life. And that's the reason he said the Holy Ghost, which is a power office of God, that we will have to lead us and guide us into all truth. Well, we'll speak of what? Not in himself. That's the power to get us there. It is Jesus. He is the Holy Ghost. He is the Christ. But why has he said he'll speak of me? Because he's speaking of the Son of God, who is our example, the way, the truth, and the light, in the days of his flesh, showing us what we must do, as he did through the eternal Spirit of God. Not as God, but as a man through the eternal Spirit of God. Now that puts a different light on it all. Jesus said, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew, Matthew 5. And that is not a suggestion. That is something that must be attained. And you obtain it by faith. Well, faith, and that is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things, what? Not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. So therefore, we set our eyes upon Jesus and the whole work of God, and it's given to us in the epistles about what is required. But the greatest message ever preached, Jesus himself, on there, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Mount Elephant, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and then later on, the Mount Elevate Discourse in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 of eschatological events, eschatology, that will affect all of us. Where are we now? Where are we on God's calendar? Well, we're certainly in the third day. We can be assured of that because we know that Jesus has stated, come and let us return to the Lord, the true God, the true revealed Jesus. For he hath torn, he will heal us. He has smitten, he will bind us up. Hosea 6. We've missed that. We came in with a damnable heresy that there were three persons in the Godhead, which will cause a civil war, a civil war in the church because there are some that are so established, indoctrinated in that false doctrine through the ecumenical councils of uh, the synods of 325 A.D. in the Nicene Creed, as well as the Chalcedonian definition of 451 A.D., stating that there is a trinity, and no one ever preached a trinity. Jesus certainly didn't. And... Uh, the Lord God Almighty declared that he's one. Moses declared it in the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Jesus declared it in Mark 12, 29, the greatest commandment of all. Here is the Lord of God's one Lord. Not two, not three, but one. And they try to divert that. They're saying, well, one is Ekod, not a Yaqid. One is one. Regardless if you say Ekod, Yaqid, or a lot. One means one. 
and there's only one person of God, the Holy One of Israel, as in Isaiah 43.10, Philippians 2, 6 through 8. 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16. There's one, only, blessed and only one potentate. Not three persons, only one potentate, omnipotent, almighty, who only hath immortality. That's Jesus only. Dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto. That man Christ Jesus did because he is the only begotten Son of God. He proceeded from the Father, went back to the Father. He sat down with the Father in his throne. Revelation 3.21 He is that Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17 He's the Lord. The Lord is that Spirit. And there's only one Lord. Jesus is the Lord. There's not another. Well, we've missed the mark there. So what is faith? Faith is not tomorrow, not yesterday, is now. Now faith is. Now faith, that's right. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's still future, which means one basic truth that faith is based upon the truth in sanctification. Somebody says, what do you mean by that? Well, sanctify them through thy truth. Have them set apart for God's use, vessels unto honor. Sanctify them through thy truth. How? Thy word is truth. On the 19th of January, 2019, over three years ago, the Lord visited me in Transmary, Kenya, not bringing my righteousness and my holiness, but for his name's sake. And said, seal my people by my word. Even as I send my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. Well, of course, that means we're in the last of the last days. We're nothing. I pop the rag, shine your shoes. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's God. I'm not. I'm a servant. I'm an unprofitable servant. I've only done that which is my duty to do. It's all him, by him, and through him. Jesus paid for it all on the cross. In the table of nations and in Genesis 10, there's 70 nations. Well, there are 70 bullocks down the feast there of tabernacles that will be alluding to the 70 nations the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. He already paid that in his blood. So every individual feast of the Lord was paid in full by Jesus Christ. And that first season is done. We know that because there in Leviticus 23, the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, and the feast of first fruits, so we shall be done on the 14th day of the first month of Eve or Nisa. Well, that feast of Passover, that's when the blood of Passover lamb, keep it up four days, make sure male of the first year has no spot or blemish, has to be perfect. And then with that 
strike the doorpost and the lentils with the blood of the lamb. And when you do, the Lord says, when I come through, I will pass over your house and your firstborn will not die. That blood has to be applied. Well, that's the beginning. That is repentance. But the blood's not applied without water. We see that even in the book of Hebrews, speaking about Moses, that he took the blood there along with water by hyssop. Hyssop was a plant that grew. Everyone could have access to hyssop. And you would dip that in the blood and sprinkle the people and the book with the blood and the water. So important because whenever Longinus pierced Jesus' side, forthwith there came blood and water. Not blood only, but blood and water. This is he that came by blood and water. Well, the blood is the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. And the water is uh, the knowledges of God and the waters of truth, which is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not partial truth, not one-third of the truth, all truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. But the first season requires three feasts. Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the Feast of First Fruits. Well, unleavened bread, you will eat that with the bitter herbs there and that lamb and leave nothing in the morning. You will roast it and leave nothing over in the morning. Then you will go out with haze. And uh, the Feast of First Fruits, there they, at three days, they found themselves at the Reed Sea, the Red Sea. They passed over on dry ground. The east wind, God blew within the blast of his nostrils. That Eurycladon will play a part here in the last days and the last of the book of Acts, which is still in progress, is an east wind, Eurycladon. And uh, there, there will be an east wind in the last day work of God. It is... uh, the wind of God, not to fan nor to purge. It's a dry wilderness wind. It's a wind that let the righteous be righteous still, let the wicked be wicked still. It is a a final judgment of God in the wind of the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the doctrine. We'll have the wings to fly upon that wind of doctrine. Six wings. Two we covered our eyes, two we covered our feet, and two we did fly. That's Elohim status. Not God in a capital E, but sons and daughters of God as adopted sons and daughters of God. Being partakers of his divine holiness through communion. We're not God, but we commune with God. For he that's joined the Lord is one spirit. Well, how do you get joined to the Lord? Well, that requires not just Jesus coming to my heart. That's another lie. Well, what is it basically? Faith is now. Now faith is. 
not faith, now faith was. Right, now faith was just believing Jesus died on the cross. No, now faith is. That lets us know that what Jesus paid for on the cross is past, present, and future in all the seasons of God paid for once and all, once and for all, by the blood of Jesus Christ, shedding his holy, righteous, and corruptible blood of God himself. So we take heed to ourselves and over all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made us overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. Acts 20, 28. Very next verse. But Paul said, immediately after my departure, grievous wolves shall come in, not sparing the flock, bringing in perverse things. Things of faith are things of truth. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And we have set our our affections, our spirit, our whole mind and being on the things above. Not Not on the things beneath. The things beneath are temporal. And... The things above are eternal. And we know by Acts 3.20 and 21 that the heavens must receive Jesus until the times, the times of what? What does time have to do with it? Well, there's seasons of God. We must know the appointed season that we are in. And the stork knows her time. The crane and swallow observe the times of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of God. That judgment must first begin at the house of God. It is going to try our faith as by fire. Why? That it can come forth as pure gold. First Peter 4, 1 Peter 4.1 said, For as much then Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. He did it in the days of his flesh. Not as a God-man, but as a man that was empty out of glory. Showing us how we, through the eternal spirit, would present ourselves unto God, holy and blameless, growing up in him in all things, which requires faith to faith, glory to glory. And that's a growth process. It is a progression of faith to faith from glory to glory. And most don't realize that. But we will because Jesus has stated in this revelation of Jesus that through his judgments, we will learn righteousness. When the judgments of God are in the earth, men will learn righteousness. That he is God and God alone is not another. So Jesus told those disciples going to Jerusalem, have many things to tell you. Now, faith, that was right there at that time. I have many things to tell you, but you're not able to receive them now. Now, alluding to there will be more to come later. And that's exactly what Paul said. Faith is. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. But Jesus said, I have many things to tell you disciples but you are not able to bear them now. 
We can't bear these things. There's more to come. Well, how are we going to get it? Jesus is going to write down a note? No. How are we going to get it? He said, but the comfort of the Holy Ghost. When he comes, it's through that spirit of Christ himself. Jesus in you. He said uh, that Holy Ghost comes. He will speak of me, the Son of God. There's your example. The Father's the invisible Spirit of God. The Word is uh, the invisible Spirit of God, but the Word but now has been given the Holy Script and the Holy Writ in the Scriptures. As holy men of God were moved on by the Holy Ghost and wrote. But the Word that is not the even in thy mouth, is spirit. And we also have the Holy Ghost, which is the power office of the same spirit. The power office of the spirit is Jesus, yes. But that is the spirit of God in power. And that would not manifest in Jesus until he could start working as our high priest, which would not happen until age 30. Why is that? Because Numbers 4 states that a high priest takes his office at age 30. Well, a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. Therefore, God has to work as a man. He empties out of glory, makes himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6. Takes upon him the form of a servant. Made in the likeness of men. Found in fashion as a man. Jesus is working only as a man to fulfill his own law. The law states that the high priest takes his office at age 30. Therefore, Jesus cannot take his office as the high priest until the age of 30. Or he broke his own law. But he has to do it as a man of flesh and blood. And Adam after the fall. And Adam uh, there that was in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son that was made of a woman, made in under the law. Why? To redeem us that were under the law. He had to be one of us. He had to be our kinsman redeemer. And when you get that, he's not working as God. He's working as a man. Because he's made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6, he's emptied out and in his humiliation and humbling himself, God literally took on the form of a servant. Who is that servant? That servant is God. It's stated that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. It's the same that we see in Isaiah 43, 10. Thus saith the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's a self-existent eternal spirit of God. That's a tetragrammaton. Yahweh. Thus saith the Lord, the invisible spirit of God, the Father of glory, the Word, the Holy Ghost the Elohim, the Lord Jehovah, and all his attributes from the law to the top, and my servant whom I have chosen. He chose him? Yes, he chose him. And we find that in Isaiah 59, 16 and Isaiah 6, 3, 5. God had to have a man. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. A man has to buy us back and redeem us through his own life's blood as a willing sacrifice. Well, Jesus 
Isaiah tells us there. God looked for a man. He was amazed he could find none. Why? Because all had sinned, come short of the glory of God. All conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity. None good, no, not one. Therefore, God said, my own arm, my own arm of flesh, brought salvation to me. For God was in Christ. That is, God, the Spirit, was in Christ. Who is that Spirit? That in the man Christ, Christ the Spirit is also Christ the man. One and the same. Not the Spirit transmuted into flesh and vice versa. But he took on a body of flesh and blood through making himself the Spirit of God of no reputation. Void. He's not going to work his Spirit. He's going to work as a man. He's going to work salvation as a man for us as our kinsman and redeemer, one of us in all things, tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. Now faith, Jesus is instilling, and that faith is given to every man according to God's purpose and according to God's will. Different ministrations, but the same spirit. Different ministries. Who gave it to us? Jesus did. Then, how did he get it to us? We can't get to the Father except through me because the man, the man Christ Jesus, with his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, affected every season of God, not just one, not just repentance, but also being born again of the water and the Spirit. I can repent. And just like in the book of Acts in the 19th chapter and a baptism of repentance, I can truly repent but not be born again. Therefore, Paul comes upon these certain brethren. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Well, Jesus didn't die for just one feast. His blood speaks better things than Abel. And the power is for bringing all things in a new beginnings, new heaven, new earth, us new creatures. Everything became new. Thereby, Jesus as a man, after he had fulfilled that law as a man, not as a God-man, as a man, who offered himself through the eternal spirit of God as a man, then said, in the third day, I will be perfected. The captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. But we're told, we just ask Jesus to come into our heart. You're made perfect. You're made perfect because you crucify the flesh with the affections of the lust, mortifying the deeds of the flesh in obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6. But we're told, well, that's already given to you and appropriated to you through Jesus on the cross, just believing on it. Well, that's not so. I can believe with my mind, speak faith well, but faith without works is dead being alone. We see that in Acts the 19th chapter. Paul came upon these brethren. They had believed, but he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Have you gone on? Have you grown? Have you been born again? Because you're not born again, except you're born of the water and the spirit. He did not detect the spirit. Have you received the Holy Ghost? 
since you believe the power of God. He said, sirs, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, under them, what were you baptized? Well, now we go to a progression. First, you repent. But said, do you stop there? Of course not. Because the first season, you're not even in yet. You haven't completed it. You haven't been born again. You repented, just like they did. Certain brethren repented. But Paul said, have you received the Holy Ghost? Are you born of the Spirit? Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed, since you repented? And they said, we don't know whether there be any Holy Ghost. We don't know what you're talking about. Then Paul goes on. Well, you've got to be born of the water for the body of the sins of the flesh to be crucified or buried with him in baptism. You have to be born of the water. That's a circumcision of the heart, circumcision of the spirit. Circumcision of the heart and the spirit by baptism. Colossians 2, verse 10 through 12. Romans 6, 1 through 4. You have to be a spiritual Jew. One that has the circumcision of the heart and the spirit. That's only by water baptism. So he said, under then what were you baptized? Because baptism certainly is another obedience that must be obeyed under righteousness. They said we were baptized under John's baptism, John the Baptist. Well, that's under repentance. You got that. You've already done that but they have not been born again. So Paul goes on and then he preaches Jesus Christ. He said, now John truly did baptize with water under repentance. That's the truth, but it is past. That's historical. That's something that was done. But after Jesus died on the cross, buried and rose again, then we went into a higher level of glory. We're born again. We become new creatures, not through repentance, but by being born again. So he said that John, John the Baptist, truly did baptize with water under repentance, saying that they should look on him that would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. Then he preached to them Jesus Christ. Then what did they do? Then they were baptized. When they heard this, they heard the truth. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, now they're born of the water. Their heart and their spirit circumcised. The body of the sins of the flesh is destroyed by baptism. And Paul laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Now they're born of the spirit. And they spake with other tongues and prophesied. Praise God. Now they're born again. Well, is that the only season? No, that's the first season. There are three seasons. Then, when we go to that second season is the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, that is, receiving the Holy Ghost. So the first one there is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through the repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, raised in the newness of life. Then we go to the second season, receive the Holy Ghost. So if you have been repented, name, repented, baptized in the name, of Jesus Christ, born of the water, and then raised first fruits as a new creature. The body of the sins of the flesh is destroyed now. You are a new creature. Why? Because the sin 
that body of sin that was in your spirit has been circumcised or cut off, then you go to your next season or the fourth feast, which is receiving the Holy Ghost. That's the power of God unto salvation. Well, what is that? There remains another season, the last season. Former rain, book of Acts. They received the Holy Ghost. Latter rain, tabernacleist. Not Pentecostals, tabernacleist. A whole different set of believers that have grown higher in glory through faith in the name of Jesus in obedience unto righteousness. Romans 6. And Paul warns us, Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are you the servants to whom you obey. Well, we've got the Holy Ghost, but it has to be obeyed. To be carnally minded is to have the Holy Ghost, but mind the things of the world. It's a carnal mindedness. The natural mind cannot receive the things of God because they're spiritually discerned. But we're talking about a carnal mind. Carnal mind is one that has the Holy Ghost, but does not obey it. To be carnally minded is death, even though they have the Holy Ghost, but they're not obeying it. These are the ones that Jesus warned us about in Matthew 7. He said, not all the same to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only one that do the will of God. Now, wait a minute. They call him Lord, Lord. No man can call Jesus Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, the Father of glory, except by the Holy Ghost. You can't call him Lord except by the Holy Ghost. It has to be revealed that he is the Father. Well, they call him Lord, Lord. But he said, even at that, not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Mm, only ones that do the will of God. Now, that's where we miss the boat. They said, oh, no. Well, works is not required. Obedience is not required. No, obedience is required in the present truth, the present light of the word. If we walk in the light as he, the man Jesus, is in that light that no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. Then we have fellowship one with another. The blood flow through the body of Christ is there. And we want to have fellowship one with another. We desire that truth. We want to be around those that are in the truth because no two can be agreed except they, no two can walk together except they be agreed. And the agreement in the witness of Jesus there in the body of Christ, we have fellowship one with another, blood flow through the body of Christ through the word of God, walking in the present truth. If we walk in that light, in present truth of the word of God, not back 2,000 years ago, but right now, now faith. Got to know what now faith is. Where are we? Got to know that present truth. That's a proceeding word coming direct from the throne room. That proceeding word of God is throne room revelation. It's golden oil. And that present truth, is a day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, believing the truth in the present light. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more. Not just one time and I'm saved, that's it. No, it shines more and more unto the perfect day. 
being confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you doesn't just stop it, will perform it. He performs it, not us. He performs it until the day of the Lord Jesus. Hmm. That means that we must keep obeying, walking in the light as he's in the light, in present truth, and in the season that we are in and knowing it. Now, we can see that in Revelation 14. In Revelation 14, in the revealing of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of who he is, the almighty God, and there's not another, not a trinity, not a two-ness, not a oneness, but the man is God, who has been made a quickening spirit, Jesus Christ, the man. We'll see that he tells us of things of the Father's name written in our forehead. That's a Revelation 7, sealing uh, of the servants of God in their forehead, in the present truth, being sealed after they've received the word of God in present truth, they were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until they receive the promised possession. That sealing is essential because it's present truth. And that truth seals you. It has to go through the fire. It can't say, well, I believe it, and that's it. Because when you believe and receive that by faith, then that faith, God will always try by the fire. That's the Holy Ghost job. The Holy Ghost, you will be baptized with that Holy Ghost and that with fire, whose fan is in his hand. And he will truly, all the way through you, body, soul, and spirit, truly purge his floor. The Holy Ghost will. That's his job. To lead us and guide us into all truth and burn up all the dross of the flesh all the rudiments of this world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. The world passes away with the lust thereof. Whosoever does, do, doeth the will of God. You have to do it. Shall abide forever. Those that don't, even though they have the Holy Ghost, didn't know it. They thought their pastor told them they were saved. They didn't know that to grow up into Jesus in all things, in all truth, in faith. They didn't know that, that they had to add to their faith virtue, be virtuous unto the Lord God Almighty. Serving but one spirit of God, the Lord is that spirit, and not be caught in whoredom or fornication. And that is one God, through the one person of God, Jesus Christ, not a trinity, not a binary, not a oneness. The man is God. So that's virtue. You got to add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge. Now you grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And if we miss it there, my people perish for lack of knowledge. <clears throat> it's through the knowledge of the scriptures that's able to save us. And Paul gives us an admonition in Hebrews 4. To take heed lest a promise, a singular promise, slip any of you that you should seem to come short of entering into his rest. What? I thought I was saved. That's it. I didn't know there was more. Of course there's more. You think there's 66 books in the Bible and it's just there to fill up some pages? It's given to us for obedience and these promises of God. These exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us. Why? That we are made through these scriptures, through the Holy Spirit and obedience under righteousness, Romans 6. Peter tells us in his epistle 
that these exceedingly great and precious promises given to us through obedience, that we are made partakers of his divine nature. That's through communion. And the communion, it stops, breaks, if we sin willfully. That's a Hebrews 6. And a willful sin, we crucify fresh again the Son of God. There is a sin unto death, a sin not unto death. John in his epistle tells us that. All unrighteousness is sin. But there is a sin unto death, and that is to whom much is given, much is required. And that, that Holy Ghost, is leading us and guiding us into all truth and to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. So that faith, now we've added to it virtue. We know who God is. And that virtue, then we add to that knowledge. Well, he states there, in these exceedingly great and precious promises again, that must be obeyed. That we may be made protectors of his divine nature through communion and escape. Escape what? The corruption of the world through lust. The lust of the flesh will destroy. The lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. So we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed. That requires a transformation, which is growing up into Jesus in various stages of growth. The first is a newborn babe. Those are the ones that have been uh, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ after they repented and received the Holy Ghost. They have completed four feasts. That gets them in the race. There's two seasons, four feasts. The, the season of Passover is the feast of Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits. That's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That shadow of things to come is revealed to us in a gospel according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then what? We go to the book of Acts. Now we go to the second season. The embryonic church starts. We're grafted into that vine, Israel. The other ones that were in there because of unbelief, going back to establish their own righteousness, those natural olive branches are cut off. We, as wild olive branches, the Gentiles, are grafted in. We see it in Acts the 10th chapter. Paul gives us that in Romans 9, 10, 11. Then we see that Pentecost given to us, the Holy Ghost given to us after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, after we repent, baptize in the name of Jesus, then we're going to receive the Holy Ghost. That is the second season, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, 50 days. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts the second chapter, verse 1, they were all in one mind and one accord in the upper room. Suddenly there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind, and cloven tongues of fire appeared, sat on each one of them. They could see it. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Acts 2, 4. Began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Now the Holy Ghost there in that embryonic church is now to grow to the measure of the stature of that stone hewn out of a mountain without hands in Daniel 2 will smite the image and the beast in that image of uh, that political 
system in Revelation 13, the beast coming up out of the sea and will smite it in the feet. And it will fall and great will be the destruction of it. Mr. Babylon Great, the mother of harlots, abomination of the earth, said, I said, Queen, I am no widow. I'll see no sorrow. There's no work of God. There's no cross to, to crucify the flesh that I have to do. I'm a queen. I am no widow. I'll see no sorrow, no tribulation, no birth pains. That's Babylon. And God said, I'll destroy her. In one hour, I will destroy her. And all that follow her, I'll destroy in a bed with her. And then that stone hewn out of a mountain, that kingdom of God, all that are in there, the body of Christ under perfection to the full measure of the statue of Jesus smites the image in the beast in the feet and it falls. But notice the stone grows. That stone is a new stone, a stone given to us, a white stone given to us. We are given to eat the hidden manna, the things that are hidden. It's all in Christ. In him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But that hidden manna is given to us in the overcomers at Pergamos. Revelation 2. Given to us to eat that hidden manna. And a white stone is given to us. Wherein is a new name written. That only he knows that receives it. You mean I have to receive that? Got to receive that truth and believe it, stand on it, occupy it by faith and uh, take it? Yes. Otherwise, you don't get it. Neither will I. We have to obey unto righteousness, which will yield the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Read Romans 6. Obedience is required. That's the reason in Acts, the second chapter, after he said, Men and brethren, what must we do? Well, you've already been in the upper room. You've repented. You've been up there for 10 days after first fruits. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost is given. Well, they said, men and brethren, they received the Holy Ghost. They were speaking with other tongues. They said, these are men are not drunken as you suppose. See, it's only uh, the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. That's a poor moraine. Well, they still have to do something. Well, yes. Acts 37. Men and brethren, what must we do? Peter, standing up along with the other 11, said, repent. Well, that's the first step. Well, we're told that's all there is to it. No. And... Uh, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? I thought it was Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Father is not a name. Son is not a name. Holy Ghost is not a name. What is the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost? Matthew 28, 19. Well, the name of the Father is Jesus. He states that in John 17. Father, I manifested your name. Keep through thine own name those that thou hast given me and I've lost none, save the son of perdition. Scripture might be fulfilled. The name of the Father is Jesus. We see it over and over again. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on the coat, the fowl of an ass. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. What's the name of the Lord? Jesus. Paul knew it. 
on the Damascus Road, saw a great light. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus. Speaking to him in a Hebrew tongue. I'm Yeshua. I'm Jesus. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. His name, Acts 4.12, is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the only blood name of God, the redemptive name of God, the only revealed name of God that will be revealed in the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's why the book is so important. And you're dealing with the heartstrings of God and you mess with that. You add anything to it, the plagues of that book will be added to you. You take away from it, your name will be blotted out of the holy city and blotted out of the book of life. Very serious. Only the Holy Ghost will lead us and guide us into all truth. We must have it. We must have that in order to be sealed. Well, that stone you out of a mountain without hand grows and fills the whole earth. That's the ones that's coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. So they've added to their faith virtue. Peter said that's essential. And these things have to be in you so that there will be no cause or case of falling away from the faith. Add to your faith virtue. Revere, revere, and serve that only one God, Jesus only. That he is a blessed and only potentate. He's the only almighty God. There's no second person of the Godhead. There, after you've added to your faith virtue, now add to you that, to virtue knowledge. How people perish for lack of knowledge. Don't miss it. Follow the truth. The Holy Ghost cannot lie. Can only lead you into all the truth. Now, you've added to that virtue knowledge. Now, add to your knowledge their temperance. Temperance means you must be tempered, self-controlled. Self-controlled in what? To rule your spirit well. The Holy Ghost gives you the unction. It's the power of God unto salvation. Well, what is that temperance? Those that strive for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. Everything of faith there, we are self-controlled in obedience in doing those. That's temperate. Is that it? No, then to add to your temperance, patience. That after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience, that you receive a full reward. Let patience have a perfect work. And there's a time it's going to be tried. Where is that? Look at Revelation 14 through the time, times and a half, three and a half years of great tribulation. We're still here, the church of the living God. Just as it was in the days of Noah, Noah went through the flood, so will we go through the great tribulation. And it says there that smoke of the torment rises up, ascends up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. We'll get into that. That's a key to these keys, these stigma, 600, three score and six. It is not 666. It is a key Z stigma, 600, three score and six, which Jesus Christ is not. Come in the flesh is 
the revelation of that man. Let him that hath wisdom count the number of the man, it's the number of the beast, the number of a man. If you haven't heard that, tune in to the Mark of the Beast podcast. There are those that have. We have to hit the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and that requires obedience in all things. Paul stated that in Hebrews 4. Take heed, lest a promise slip any of you. You should seem to come short of entering to his rest. There remaineth a rest to the people of God, an eternal Shabbat, an eternal rest. If Jesus had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day. He did. But the time is coming, and now is. The time is coming, future. That's the blood speaketh better things than an able. And it's not only but now, but also present in all divine appointments of God with man. And Jesus has already paid for that in his blood. And the best is yet to come. Though we be tried as by fire, it will come forth as pure gold to the glory of God. Where's that patience? Well, you add it to your Faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience. Well, we're going to be tried in it until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ because it says in your patience, possess your souls. Possess our souls. Thought I was saved and that was it. Well, we see there that in patience that we fall into diverse temptations, count it all a joy, though your faith be tried as by fire. Our faith, that's present truth. Well, somebody said, well, I was in that Pentecostal truth. You know, I repented. I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I received the Holy Ghost. What else is there? Well, you're going to be tried in the present truth. We see it in Revelation 14. What is that? Though your faith be tried as by fire, they come forth as pure gold to the glory of God. Seeing your good works and glorifying your Lord Jesus in heaven. Well, where is that? Where is the True patience. Where is that faith that we're seeing tried as by fire in the book of the Revelation? Take a look at Revelation 14, verse 12. Here is the patience of the saints. The patience. Here are they that keep the commandments of God. Keep the commandments of God. I thought that that was already attributed to me by faith. I really have to keep those? Yes. And these exceedingly great and precious promises must be obeyed lest one promise slip us of we should come short of entering into his rest. Paul stated that's how tight and straight this gate is. Straight is the gate and narrow the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. In Acts, Peter said, Save yourselves from this untoward generation, this evil generation. Save yourself. Save yourself. Yes, I must be a fellow laborer together with Christ Jesus. A labor together with him? I didn't know I was supposed to labor. But bring fruits unto righteousness. And you'll know them by what? By their fruits. Not just a repentance, but baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Race of the newness of life, first fruits, then go on, receive the Holy Ghost. Now you're taking, uh, partaking of four feasts that you feed the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood of the Son of Man. You've done it. But now there remains three more feasts the Feast of Trumpets, 
in that last season of tabernacle. These are the tabernaclists. They are not Pentecostals. They are tabernaclists. They're in a higher light. And where is this patient? Where is this faith tried? Well, during the great tribulation. It says there in Revelation 14, 12. And it says, here is the patience of the saints. There's the patience. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus Christ. The faith, yes. <laughs> and the faith, you have to and I have to notice that it also reiterates it again in this political system with a seven head, ten horn, with ten heads on the name of blasphemy in this political system of the last days that you'll be hated of all nations for his name's sake. And he's talking to the church. Notice in Revelation 13 that he says uh, that this Antichrist, of which three horns fell, one came up, he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, Jesus, the only revealed name of God, and his tabernacle. That's us. And them that dwell in heaven. That's the whole body of Christ in heaven and on earth. Watch it, verse 7. And it was given unto him, the man of sin the son of perdition, to make war with the saints. Those are ones sanctified holy. Paul, we are all called to be saints. Sanctified holy, both spirit, soul, and body. <clears throat> Through the word of God. We're doing it now. As God told us, sell his people by his words, not by word. It is simply in obedience to the Lord to say, this is where we are now. All I can do is point and say, there it is. God said it. I'm simply a messenger. I'm popping the rag, shining your shoes for those that have an ear to hear, to prepare and obey unto righteousness. And he states that. <clears throat> They're going to make war with the saints. Jesus said you're going to be hated of all nations. Some of you will be delivered up to be put to death. And he states it also in the Revelation. Smyrna, they're going to throw you, some of you, into prison for 10 days. That's the 10 days of all, introspection. Be faithful unto death. I'll give you a crown of life. Faithful unto death? I didn't know that was part of it. Well, you be witnesses to me. Witnesses are mortars. And you shall be witnesses to me after you see the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. The earth, 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 hear you the word of the Lord. Well, what's happening here? And it says power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations, but to make war with the saints, the ones sanctified of God and to overcome them. Now, yeah, it's going to cast truth to the ground. Daniel tells us it will not destroy the truth, but truth will be cast to the ground. Look at verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth, that's Revelation 13, 8, shall worship him whose names 
are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Here's this patience again. If any man have an ear, do you have an ear? Are you in the present truth? Do you realize that we are approaching the final last days to him that was wise? Oh, that they were wise, that they would consider or know their latter end. Are you hearing the word? Then let me know. Let us know. Here at DBM, we have sold out pastors, preachers, ministers that travel this earth proclaiming this gospel. We need to hear from you. God's doing it now. Why? Because he's spently framing his body together. And we can't come together if we don't contact one another. Contact me. Somebody said, well, I thought we were in a pre-tribulation rapture. Wrong again. This patience is going to be tried. That's by fire. It's a fiery trial. Think it not strange, the fiery trial, which is to try all of us. As though some strange thing happened to us, but rejoice inasmuch as we're partakers of Christ's suffering. Somebody said, wait a minute. I didn't know I was supposed to be partakers of his suffering. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also, what? To suffer with him. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. It's a fiery trial. Here it is. In the book of the Revelation, the last of the last days, through Jacob's trouble, the what? The great tribulation. And it's for three and a half years, 42 months, time, times and a half, 1,203 score days. And he states there, there, he, if any man have an ear, if you, if you have an ear, the Holy Ghost, if you've got a, uh, in the present truth, you're not going, building a prophet of the grove where God used to move and be in a Pentecostal because the Pentecostals will be plentiful also that they don't move into the last day, latter rain and the present truth in the flowing word of God in throne room revelation or revelation 12. God's doing it now. He's going to seal those. And that requires present truth, not Pentecostal truth of Acts 2.38. Not just 4.12, Acts 8.16, Acts 19, Acts 10, Acts 19, Acts 22. And the book of Acts doesn't have an amen. It doesn't have a the end. It's still in operation. Until that embryonic church will come full measure statue of Jesus Christ. And then the Lord's going to put in a sickle and reap his harvest. Notice, where's the faith? Where's the patience? What is it? Well, notice here. It says, he that hath an ear, if you have an ear for the truth, you're walking in the light as he's in the light. You understand you're not just a Pentecostal. You're a tabernacleist going on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Have an ear, let him hear. What? What the Spirit saying to the churches? What is it? It says, he that leadeth into captivity. He that leadeth into captivity led you into captivity. Hated of all nations for his name's sake. Some being put to death. He that led you into captivity shall go into captivity. In other words, what they've done unto you, God said, I'm going to do to them. Know it of a surety. Of a certainty, God said it, that that said it, that that he said will be done. Watch the next one. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. 
they're going some deliver something uh, to uh, to death. Jesus stated that in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Look at John 16. Jesus said, I forewarned you that you should not be offended. Many will be offended. Thinking that God has forsaken us. No. We know the fiery trial, which is a trial. We know it. We're prepared for it. We understand that and have received the seal of it. Guaranteeing us that we will stand during this evil day. And that very simply is the faith of Jesus Christ. It's in present truth. Notice that he says that he that kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. That lets us know God's going to render vengeance on them that have troubled you. He states that in 2 Thessalonians 1. Those are for the ones that their faith grows exceedingly. Exceedingly great faith. And the charity of everyone to you abounded one to another. Wait a minute. Charity? What's that? Somebody said, that's love. No, it's not. It's charity is a love for God based in doing his will. It's not just love God in word and in tongue, but it's loving God in deed and in truth. We have to know the truth. Otherwise, there's no ceiling. I can love God all day long with a mental ascent. And I say, yes, I love God. I draw close to him with my mouth. But yet, in works out of nine, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things, the things of faith, present truth, that I tell you. Walking in that light is he's in the light. We must do that. Well, the ones that do will be sealed. He's doing it now. He's been preparing that body of Christ. I know since we've had the visitation, the 19th of January, 2019. And we're nothing. We're just unprofitable servants only doing that, which is our duty to do. It's him. It's Jesus. He is all. He's the way, the truth, and life. He is the power of God. He is the father of glory. He is the everlasting father. He is the mighty God. There's not another. But that's not enough. You know his person, but do you know his work? You're called for the work of the ministry, not just knowing who he is. That's revealed in chapter 1. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty. That is not full grown. That's just little children. You see that in 1 John 2, 12 through 14, in John's epistle. We have to grow up in him in all things, in all truth. They were not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. It's told us that. And it's for the perfecting of the saints. Perfected on this side of glory, not after the rapture. And it says right here, if you have an ear, let him hear. And it says there very simply, you lead into captivity, they led you into captivity, they're going into captivity. They killed you with a sword, they're going to be killed with a sword. What is that? Here is the patience. You want patience? There it is. That after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. He said, if you do that, you know that. He that kills you with a sword is going to be killed with a sword. You know that. Why? Because you are under that altar in heaven, the spirits of just men made perfect, and you will say along with them, under the fifth seal, souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. That's present truth. The testimony of Jesus, the spirit, of prophecy, knowing the work of God. And they said, O oh Lord, holy and true. They're under that altar, slain for the word of God and the testimony. 
a testimony of Jesus, which is the last day, saints of God under perfection, not Pentecostal. They're tabernacleists. They've gone way higher in glory. And they said, O Lord, they said, O Lord, holy and true, how long will it be before thou avenge our blood upon them that dwell on the earth? You said he that killeth with a sword dies with a sword. How long will you be before you avenge our blood upon them that dwell on the earth? White robes of righteousness were given to each one of them. These are spirits of just men made perfect. And it was said unto him, unto them, until your fellow servants and your brethren should be killed as you were, should be fulfilled. There's the patience. There is the faith. You have to have that ceiling in order to stand in that day. To literally be a living testimony to Jesus, sealing your testimony with your own blood, willing to die for the Lord, sealing your testimony with your own blood. Jesus said, they kill you. You done it once, the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Now, there's a great truth there. You want faith? The faith there is far greater than what it was in Pentecost. This faith requires obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6. You work out your own salvation now with fear and trembling. Why? Because you're walking in the light as he's in the light. You have fellowship with the body of Christ, one with another. You speak the same things. You speak the oracles of God. You know the season you're in. You're in the truth. You're not in a Pentecostal grove where God used to move. This is going to be far and is being prepared far, far greater in glory. As the former rain was a moderate rain, this last day rain, the latter rain, this last day work of a ministry will be in the last great rain of God's strength. And we are in it and preparing for it now. We need to hear from you. Moves you? I need to hear from you. Let's join together. The Lord's doing it now. If we procrastinate and we don't do this and the will of God and the work of the ministry is being upon us now and we do not act, it will be a sin. Him that knoweth that do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. God has spoken it. We're doing our part. I have proclaimed this. The ministers here with me are proclaiming it even unto death. We've been greatly persecuted. Thank God for all of it when they've railed on us and spoke all evil against us. We thank God for it. Because he said, leap for joy, be exceedingly glad, and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Jesus said it would, but it's going to be even a greater persecution than that. And we're all, we're going to need forsaking, not the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, and so much more as we see that day approaching. It's up to us to come together. I'm putting it out to you. Please call me. Let's meet. Let's join together. But some will stay in their denominal world calling their Pentecostals and think that's all there is to it. And we'll be deceived with a pre-trib rapture. 
and bring upon themselves swift destruction. These things were given to Paul. Peter said some, hard to be understood. We're not saying it's easy. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. It's all him. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preaching to the Gentiles. Received up in the glory. And now it's upon us. The burden's on us. And he may say the burden, the burden of the Lord will be cut off. God said I will. I'll cut you off. Well, the burden's on us. It's up to us to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, unto a perfect man upon whom the end of the worlds have come. It's to the law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Fulfilling that, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And to the testimony, we're preaching that testimony of Jesus. That's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It is not Pentecostal faith. It is now faith, far greater, far, far greater than Pentecostal. Let me hear from you. You can write to me, Dennis Beard. That's Beard just like Whiskers. <laughs> that post office box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Please, you can message me over any of our websites, and I will get in contact with you. You can do that at jcic.tv, register, free registration. Give your questions and your comments there, and you can message me there. Being in fellowship together with us. Would like to meet you. You can also send me a message on dennisbeard.org. Also, our other two websites, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com. And those there of you, Tell your friends and the ones that want to go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus to download our free app, Saving God's People, that are over all the various uh, podcasts, the various uh, social media sites. Well, we love to hear from you. You can call me. The country code is plus one. 903-746-4885. Leave me a message. I'll get back to you. I'm hearing you in Indian Africa. Uh, there's over uh, 100 calls a day. I can't get to everyone. I will get to. We will come when we have the finances and able to do it. Right now, there we are in this preparation period. For those that have an ear to hear, please contact us. Well, God perfect that which is lacking in all of us that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.